0: Paul, and this is Tim.
1: Paul, Tim, I have done a sick amount of podcasting this week. What? A sick amount of podcasting this week.
2: Are, are your pores overflowing with podcast goodness? Wait, I wait, did you. You, wait, did you
0: pod alterate? Is that what you're telling us right now?
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, uh, Paul and I recorded and released two episodes of Star Trek Discovery with Aaron and Polly this week. Uh, In addition to this week's episode of Funny Books, and uh, I recorded a a fresh episode of our Star Trek uh, podcast, uh, our Star Trek role-playing game podcast last night. So, I mean, it has just been Star Trek and podcasting all week long. It's crazy time here.
2: Uh, So are you tired of talking? Are we going to need to carry the the brunt of this conversation
1: this week? Oh, come on, Paul. You guys usually carry the brunt of the conversation. That's a good point.
0: I'm just dialing this shit in. (laughs) I don't think that's true. I think Paul carries the brunt of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so let's
2: talk about something real quick. So you mentioned right. that there is a Star Trek actual play coming. I don't know that we've ha- well, we have had this discussion, you know, we yeah, because we had a contest to get on it. Would you like right, to provide our listeners
1: an update? Well, we are we have recorded uh, three sandbox episodes. We've got a system test episode coming up, and then we actually get into the uh, actual play. So when we actually Start recording the actual play. We'll begin dropping episodes. And we've got uh, three episodes banked right now. By the time we do that, we'll have four episodes banked. But uh, it's pretty exciting. We've got a great cast of, uh, of players. We've got uh, some, some, some voices folks will recognize. We've got Scott Bonner and uh, James Abendroth, uh, both from our uh, ManCon uh, experience and actual plays recorded there. And we've got uh, Dan Kramer. You might know him as Keeper Dan from the Miskatonic University podcast. And our audition winner, Neil Dalton. Uh And I got to tell you, uh, these guys are fantastic players. Uh, I have been really happy with what they brought to the table, and I won't offer any spoilers now. You'll just have to listen.
0: Is anyone uh, even in your same time zone? (laughs) It seems like all those guys Uh, are all over the country. Scott's in your same zone. Oh, that's yeah. uh, James
1: and Scott are, and I believe Dan is not, nor is Neil. But uh, you know, it 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 all works out. Yeah, it all works out. Very exciting. (laughs) So, yeah, no, they're they're it's great, it's great, and we were having the conversation last night. These these are the kind of guys who you know just kind of take the ball and run with it. So all this development of the game happens during the week, and I just kind of poke my head out of the sand, going, "What are you guys doing?" And oh, well, we've made deck plans, you know, and I mean, it's just it's crazy. They are they are uh, they're just filling out all the corners of the universe. It's great stuff.
2: Oh, very cool. Yeah. You, you, so, um. I don't know if I talked about this last week
1: on the podcast
2: or after the podcast or not even at all with you guys,
1: but was it on our special uh, uh, talk funny books with Aaron and Polly? Maybe you know that uh, that, that uh, uh, that's hosted by that Hardwick fella. <laughs> talk funny books, talky books. <laughs>
2: um, so this week, uh, Jeepers Creepers three. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I talked about, well, I don't know if I talked about it, but there was a special Fathom event. You know, Fathom does those one night events. They do concerts and opera and classic movies and stuff like that at your local theater. And this week they were doing a one night event for Jeepers Creepers 3, um, the third film in the you know Jeepers Creepers series, clearly because it's Jeepers Creepers 3. Um, and it has been 14 years since the last one. And so uh, I went to go see it. It was it was on Wednesday night, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday night. And, you know, part of me was like, let me get my tickets early. But then I logged onto the app and I, I was I don't know, like, I am I guess I'm turning into an old man because I'm like, I don't want to pay the service charge um, <laughs> for, for buying the tickets online. I'll just get them at the ticket window. Uh-huh. So, so we got there 35 minutes early. I like to clarify, 35 minutes early. Because I wanted to make sure, I'm like, yeah, you know, we'll get there early. We'll get seats, blah, blah, you know, no big deal. It was sold out. Jeepers Creepers 3 was sold out. And so I hopped on my phone. I'm like, all right, screw it. There's another theater about 20 minutes away playing it. We'll be able to make it in time. They were sold out too. I don't know how this happens.
1: For Jeepers (laughs) Creepers. For Jeepers Creepers. Why does this happen? I I, got to tell you, that, that, that blows my mind that it had that kind of an audience on a weeknight.
2: Not only on a weeknight, but a film that, quite frankly, I haven't even seen a trailer for. I just right. I found out last week this was happening. Uh, maybe every single Jeepers Creepers fan was there and saw it. <laughs> but um, you know, right now, as of now, there's no DVD or Blu-ray release date that I know of. So I'm like, damn it! <laughs> is this a is this a direct direct to disc release?
0: I believe and it this will be. Time-
2: OK, but as far as I know, there's no official release date that's come out that I've seen. Um, Yeah. So it was interesting that this damn film was sold out. It's been a week of of interesting shopping and uh, movie going experiences for me because yesterday I got a super NES classic.
1: Oh, fuck you, Paul. Oh, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eat me. <laughs> well,
2: so um, I did not want to go to Walmart at midnight. So what I decided is, you know what? I will get to Target at 4 a.m. They open at 8 a.m. I said, if there's Jesus. more than 10 people in line, I won't do it. And so I showed up. Now,
1: a- we, I, think, I think people should know, going to Target at 4 a.m. puts you out of bed an hour early. Is yeah, that right. 45 minutes early. Because you I usually know. run at it- Around five or so, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, about an hour earlier than I normally would get out of bed. Honestly, so it's not a huge deal for me.
1: Yeah, it does. It's it's not as life challenging as it sounds. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So it was only an hour early for me. So I got to Target and there was only two people in line, a dad and a son. And so you know, I I I was like, all right, well, I'm guaranteed to get one. I said I could go ahead and go.
1: how do you know that was a dad and a son? That could have been some sort of man-boy love thing.
2: Well, they clarified for me because I asked. Ah. I said, hey, is this your, is this your uh, illegitimate child um, or you your, say, your love child? Some sort
1: of, is this some sort of man-boy love thing going on or are you all father and son? Oh, we're father and son. Oh, is okay. that how you act, Paul? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. That's how the that's how that conversation went. <laughs> and that wasn't the only awkward conversation because for, I don't know, a couple hours into the conversation. And, you know, you stand with people for four hours in line. You get to know them. This gentleman starts talking about, uh, I don't know, somehow a cat comes up or pets come up or something like that. And they were talking about this cat. And the kid's like, yeah, yeah. yeah." And the father was like, yeah, yeah." I had to take the cat to the pound. And the kid's like, no, you didn't. You gave it to one of your friends. And the guy's like, no, I didn't. I brought it to the pound. And the kid's like, no, you gave it to one of your friends. And the father says, Matt, I specifically remember driving the cat to the pound. And then it hits him. He's like, wait did your mother tell him like tell you I gave the cat to one of my friends <laughs> uh, and I got to experience that moment firsthand. Nice. <laughs> the, the death oh, of that horrible. kid's childhood right there. Yeah, right there, <laughs> right there. Um, but, the, the but target had 46 super NES classics. And I gotta be honest, by the time they opened their doors, only about 20 people in line. Um, so you may have a better chance at getting a super NES classic than you think. Um, huh. Because they 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 still had them when I left that day.
1: Refresh my memory. How much are they? They are
2: eighty dollars. They come with two controllers, right? And twenty one games preloaded, right? Yep. Uh, I think yeah, twenty one or twenty two games preloaded, um, and you know, uh, exciting games. Because I wasn't originally planning on buying it, but once I saw that it had some games that I really loved, like Castlevania and Contra and Star Fox, and, and games that I'm genuinely going to play. Um, you know, I don't think this is something that's going to sit. <laughs> that I'm going to play for a week, and then it's just going to catch dust. Um, I, I think I'm genuinely going to play some of these games, because I really enjoyed a lot of those. And there's some longevity
0: and p- replayability in
2: a lot of them. It also has a Street Fighter game on it, which I'm excited about.
0: The other thing yeah. is, is that most of those games, if you tried to buy them just with, for the Super Nintendo, cost more than the stupid Super Nintendo Classic. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, like, so
1: Paul, are you- Paul, are you prepared to stand in line for the new Commodore 64 that's coming out? I, I'm, I'm gonna pass on
2: that Commodore 64 mini because it does not include the BC game <laughs> the, the, which was one of my favorite games going on. So BC uh-huh. based on the 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 comic strip, uh-huh. and they had a game where you were riding where you were basically standing on a, a like a caveman carved wheel and you could either jump over rocks or duck under trees. And that was the entire game. And I remember playing that game over and over and over on my Commodore 64. (laughs) Um, Karatika. No Karatika. Ugh. I mean— Well, if it's it's no Karatika, it's crap. It's crap. If it's no Karatika, it's crap with a K. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, you know, I'm not the gamer that that you and Tim are, but uh, I I was really excited to see that there's a new Atari console coming out. Yeah. and it, that it's going to play the classic Atari games as well as some current games and PC games. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm super excited about that.
2: Yeah, I hope it's good. I mean, it's you know Atari's last system since they once before they got out of the system market um, right. was the Lynx, which or Jaguar, I think the the Jaguar maybe, when, which was a uh, you know a, a piece of garbage. So right. hopeful that this new one isn't that bad.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, the the. Article that I read sounded really promising, but of course, you know, we haven't actually seen it yet. We're just seeing pictures of uh, of what the console might look like, but uh, it, it sounded pretty impressive. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm I'm, lo- I'm here in my man cave, and I rewired up my uh, my entertainment system this week, and I'm like, okay, I only got one more HDMI port here. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having to like, you know, what what do I want to keep? What do I want to get rid of? <laughs> Choose wisely, Aaron. That's right. That's right. <laughs>
2: so in in other news this week and it's not just this week this has been going on for a couple of weeks director james cameron is in the is in the spotlight a lot right now because he is just started production on avatar 2 no oh, well um,
1: avatar 2 and 3 he's got two you're doing them back to back paul yeah
2: i mean i think back he's got four back. more plans like anyone so much money yeah yeah <laughs>
1: so much blue yeah you've never seen so much blue yeah <laughs> So they've been,
2: you know, talking to him a lot about the things and, you know, and he's also been, you know, there also is a new Terminator film coming out that he's producing. Um, So a lot of stuff of James Cameron in the news. Um, But unfortunately, James Cameron has a a very specific opinion about Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah, I I was surprised to see that, that he felt like uh, uh, the Wonder Woman film objectified women, that uh, he did not find it to be uh, as... uh, you know, female forward as uh, others have regarded it. Yeah. And that, yeah.
2: What I find most interesting about this is that James Cameron is comparing the character of Wonder Woman to the character of Sarah Connor. And he's saying Sarah Connor, you know, she was ahead of her time and, you know, because she wasn't sexy and, you know, she was a badass and why can't women be more like that? Wonder Woman is too overly sexualized. And I would like to clarify anyone for anyone, um, you know, the, the, the Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor character. One, she was naked in the first Terminator. Right. Uh, there, there was a sex scene. She was naked. And two, he was banging her. I mean, right. you know, so. Yeah, he was married
1: to her for, what, three years? Yeah.
2: So, yeah. hey, my ex-wife, not sexy at all. <laughs> 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 is what this guy is saying. Like. That's right. That's right. Come on, dude. <laughs> it, it,
0: it's... Yeah. I w-
1: Go ahead. I, 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 I was uh, amused that Linda Carter came out. And, you know, told him to step off, you know, that the the, the original TV Wonder Woman came out and told uh, James Cameron to leave Wonder Woman alone. Uh, you know, I I think that's pretty hilarious.
2: It is. And, you know, it's it's it, it, that is genuinely being in the news for all the wrong reasons, because legitimately he is the only person who has said that kind of thing about this Wonder Woman movie.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, it just it just demonstrates how to touch James Cameron, as I think.
2: Yeah. But yeah, he's just
1: know. living In his own little Michael Jackson world where, uh, you know, everyone thinks that his – everyone tells him that his poop smells like roses. Um, And that
2: Avatar 2 is going to be the biggest film of all time.
1: And that Avatar 1 was good. Yeah. (laughs) You know? That's – I got to tell you, I just – I marvel at the fact that there is such a a franchise being built around Avatar because I I didn't get it. I mean, yes, it it was a strikingly gorgeous movie to look at, but I can't bear watching it.
2: Yeah, same here. You know, I, I, and this is probably unpopular opinion because I know there are people. I'm assuming there are people who like Avatar. I know my buddy Kyle likes Avatar. But, but you know, none of I, them are on this podcast. None of them are on this podcast because I got to tell you guys, for everyone who thinks Avatar has great special effects, you know, like it's an animated movie. So, <laughs> I mean, that's how right. I view Avatar. It's an animated, you know, Avatar is gr- just as good special effects as Frozen to me. Like yeah. they're both animated <laughs> movies. Right, right. <laughs> Let it go, Paul. Let it go. <laughs> Watch Moana instead. <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> so let's talk about some comics. Let's do
1: it. Uh, comics. So, uh. Uh.
2: so before we talk about metal, this week's big metal tie-in, I wanted to mention um, that there was there um, have been a couple of social media posts from writer Tom King and uh, artist Jason Fabok this week on social media. And uh, it appears that Jason Fabok is... Perhaps and Tom King are perhaps involved in some type of Doomsday Clock tie-in, perhaps related to Rorschach. Um, it's it's heavily, it, you know, the, the, if you look at the preview art that they both posted without comment, you know, they're just kind of teasing it. It seems like they may be involved in some type of Rorschach tie-in to Doomsday Clock. And I got to tell you, Tom King and Jason Fabok, that's a dream team for me right now. Um, oh, no,
1: that's good stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got Jeff Johns and Gary Frank on Doomsday Clock proper. If you have Jason Fabok and Tom King on a tie-in, like that, that that's a hell of a team. I, I got to tell you, I'm. We're gonna talk about this a little later, but um, I, I'm DC is starting to get some of those superstar teams for me that Marvel had back in the day. You know, you would see a writer and an artist on a book together, and you'd be like, ah, oh, that's a dream team. DC, you know, for me, DC starting to get some of that um credibility is not just the great characters, but you're also getting the writer-artist team that gets you excited about a book. Um, And that's how Doomsday Clock and this perhaps Rorschach tie-in are for me.
1: Hey, Paul, have you seen the advertisements for next week's uh, Batman the White Knight? Yeah, from Sharon Murphy. Yeah, that that looks kind of hot where, uh, you know, the Joker has uh, been cured of his insanity and has to stop the batman's insane uh you know push in gotham yeah where the joker's the good guy i i was looking at it going okay this looks kind of hot <laughs>
2: yeah. i'm on board for at least the first issue and if it's good i then think, think so too i um, think so too sean murphy is a great artist uh you know i really enjoy his artwork so i'm really looking i'm, I'm looking forward to to at least the visual aspect of it i'm curious to see if the story is good as well yeah
1: well, Paul, yes, you sir. know, last week we had uh, Batman Red Metal Death and <laughs> uh, and and this week we have The Murder Machine. Murder Machine. Machine. Um now the, the story in The Murder Machine, you know, we, we in last week's story, uh, Batman steals the powers of uh, of the Flash and totally makes Barry Allen his bitch as we shared last week. Yeah. And This week's installment, uh, Batman lures, not lures, probably the right word, uh, enlists the assistance of Cyborg to help him create an A.I. based on Alfred. And the A.I. goes nuts and then Batman merges with the A.I. So he doesn't really steal Cyborg's powers as he did uh, the Flashes. Yeah. But uh, I I really thought this was a good book. And I got to tell you, I actually enjoyed Cyborg in the book.
2: Yeah, you know, that's something that we talked about last week, that we were concerned, are all these tie-ins basically going to be the same story? Batman steals Cyborg's powers, Batman steals Flash's powers, Batman steals Green Lantern's powers, and I appreciate that this was not the same story, um, you know, that, that that it was genuinely different, and also not just a flashback tale, but also something that ties into the current events that are going on in Metal with um, the murder Machine assault on uh, the Watchtower. yeah. Um, I, I, I really did enjoy this book. I thought it was uh, well-drawn. I really liked the art. Um, I'm not familiar with the
1: artist. Um, well, and, and didn't you feel like the art had this just tremendous atmosphere and mood around it? Oh, yeah. That, that I mean, it wasn't just, hey, these pages are well-drawn. There was such an atmospheric to it that, that, that really lended it to sort of a Halloween horror sort of feel. I was like, this is awesome. And... Bane begging for his life uh, when the Alfreds go after him was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, was awesome. Yeah, I I really dug this book. I The idea of the Alfred AI and, uh, I mean, how creepy that is uh, – that you know he's you know Alfred's trying to get back into the Batcave and Cyborg's like do not let him in yeah I mean it it, it, it kind of reminded me of Let the Right One in, <laughs> you know, that uh that uh vampire movie from a couple of years back. Oh yeah. Uh, right. I, I I really dug this book. I I I enjoyed this book from beginning to end.
2: I did too. Um yeah. you know the, the to your point the art it's Ricardo Federici um mm-hmm. was great. The the story by Frank Thierry and James Tynion the fourth it's it's a good, creepy, dark story. Um, I, I enjoyed last week's uh, r- Red Metal Death, um, uh-huh. but I think I liked this one actually better. I agree. I agree. It's, uh, this one felt a bit more tragic to me because Batman wasn't just a dick. He was trying, you know, Alfred is murdered by the Suicide Squad, and he genuinely wants to create an AI to bring back Alfred. Um, And the A.I. is so protective of him that overnight he kills all of the rogues gallery and then takes over Gotham.
1: And, you know, Cyborg says, you know, we our intention to, you know, because Batman says, hey, Cyborg, I built this A.I. I can't get it online. Maybe you could help me. Right. Mm -hmm. And Cyborg's thought is that, yeah, we'll do this because Batman needs an Alfred. Batman needs somebody who can patch him up and make sure he eats dinner. Right. That was that was Cyborg's motivation. And then, of course, you know they 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 both overlook that Alfred wants to protect Batman. Alfred wants to make sure Batman's okay. And so, you know, as as Paul stated a little bit ago, he kills everybody in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and and I mean, takes revenge on those people who murdered Alfred. And the scene where you know Bane is like, "Hey, you don't." Have- and then, of course, he stutters as he's like, you don't have to kill me. I'm leaving town, you know. Yeah. And he's, uh, you know, he, he's murdered by a very polite murderer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I, I, this book was as creepy as all get out. My only thing that I'm that I'm having trouble with, and it's true, both Red Metal Death and this book, Paul, is it is sometimes confusing as they jump from what happened in the dark universe versus what's happening in uh, the current universe, right? Yeah. Um, and so sometimes you're like, okay, now wait, you know, because the heroes all look the same. And, yeah, true. yeah, so it's difficult to see, okay, which universe is Cyborg am I seeing? Okay, he just pulled the spine out of Cyborg, so I think that's probably the dark universe Cyborg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, this was, I mean, now it's super dark. And Red Metal Death was super dark, and... Um, You know, Murder Machine was super dark, Um, but you know it. I I would I would probably object to that in a regular universe story, but since the the you know super darkness is occurring in the other universe, it's kind of like a what if or an else world story. Uh, It's absolutely welcome, and I I, I'm having a blast. Which is the point of
2: it, right? This is the negative universes, the dark multiverse. And, um, you know, you don't buy a book that's called Red Death or one that's called The Murder Machine and expect the feel-good story of the year either. Right. Right.
1: But, yeah, really good stuff, guys.
2: Well, another Batman book came out this week that we were excited about. Detective Comics number 965, A Lonely Place of Living, part one, where we return the the focus to Tim Drake and his, uh, you know, being captive under Mr. Oz. And so we've got a story that kind of flashes back to... The, the first days of Tim Drake uh, to see what this imp- with this rebirth universe origin is like, because if you recall, his new 52 origin was very different um, as well as modern day uh, uh, as him dealing with his escape from Mr. Oz's prison. And so, Tim, you read this book. Mm-hmm. What did you think?
0: Um. Yeah, actually, I read action before this one. And I don't know if I don't know if that was the right call. That's what I did. Yeah, I read I, action. Before I believe days. I did, too. Yeah. Okay, um, I boy, I miss me some some uh, old fifty two Tim Drake, you know, <laughs> and the th- you know the story we got here is exactly why I like that character. The story of how he figured out who who Batman and Nightwing were, you know, the the flashbacks to that. Um, I, I okay, so here's 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 my disconnect. All right, as far as far as the story goes um can uh, uh Jor-, Jor-, Jor el yes um is is supposedly keeping an eye on his son but he has time to watch this kid in Gotham for no reason to take notes about how this guy this this one's special i i don't disagree that that he's special obviously because you know he's a robin he's smart enough, he he's he's the heir to the detective throne we'll just say and i think that's a fair statement with how they write him but you know, isn't he busy watching suffering? You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think well, we're gonna I,
1: I, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think time moves differently for uh, uh, Mr. Oz. Um, I, I think that he has kind of existed outside of time and between the moments, and I think we're gonna see more of that as it goes on. Because otherwise, you know, if he was, I think if he was living a, a a straight up linear lifestyle, I think that yeah, he wouldn't have time to to watch everything he's watched. But I think he's able to to you know expand those moments, and I think we'll see some of that as, as things continue.
0: I, it, I I guess what I would say is I did like to reveal that he it, and they did it in Detective. They did it. I think they did it better in Action, but that. Mr. Oz is not necessarily the one pulling the strings. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah,
0: Um, that he basically said, "You're as much, you know, in danger as, or I'm as much a prisoner as you are." And then we get to the end of the book, guys, and I'm deeply concerned with the end of the book. (laughs) The end of the book is them realizing, oh, uh, oh, them. Um, it's. Batman, but it's not Batman. Yeah, so uh, let me
2: point out something here. So it's revealed that another person that's trapped in this prison is the Tim Drake of Tomorrow, uh, which is, um, and the Tim Drake of Tomorrow was uh, a storyline that popped up in Jeff John's Teen Titans run where he's taken Joe Chill's gun. Well, this isn't Joe Chill's gun, but um, basically Tim Drake has become Batman in the future, and so this is that character, uh, which I enjoyed the callback to that because I loved that Jeff Johns Teen Titans run. But So now we have two Tim Drakes caught in this prison, and to your point, Tim, you wonder why.
0: Well, that, and then they realize who else is trapped here. And listen, I'm a big Tim Drake fan. Well, there ain't no way that's happening, that they're taking care of Doomsday. Oh, oh yeah, no. I,
1: Tim Drake can outsmart Doomsday. That's not a problem.
0: <laughs> There's two of them. <laughs>
1: uh, it's two on one, Tim. They're fine. That's, right. that's uh, right. Yeah, it's gonna be. They got. They they have Doomsday outnumbered, so they're good.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure they can write themselves out at the corner. But to me, that was like, yeah. That's the next. That's
1: the not next good. issue. The next issue will start with after subduing Doomsday.
0: Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> we won't see it.
0: <laughs> they're gonna have to space them or something like i uh
2: i really liked this book guys i I loved seeing the return of that you know it's it's the the title is a reference to the first tim drake storyline a lonely place of dying um and i really enjoyed the callbacks to that storyline uh the fact that they have brought that back that origin back versus the one that was introduced in the new 52 um I, i really liked that
1: yeah it was a good story. Agreed. It was a good story. I, I, I rather enjoyed
2: it. Well, Tim mentioned that this kind of has a tie in with the Oz effect part two in Action Comics number nine eighty eight. Uh, written by Dan Jurgens, art by Ryan Sook. Um, you know, it was revealed at the in the last page of the previous issue that this is Jorel, Mr. Oz is Jorel, and the first word in this book is Superman calling that guy a liar. Mm-hmm. um and the rest of the book it's very exposition heavy where Jor-El reveals what what has happened to be, to lead him to become the man that he is today and so aaron what would you think of uh of this issue
1: well i'd like to take a break for just a moment and question something yes. jorrel is a si- Jor-El is a scientist right yeah so shouldn't he be dr oz instead of mr oz <laughs> he doesn't have a doctorate they don't have and- and and shouldn't he if he's Doctor Oz shouldn't we see Oprah in these pages somewhere 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 I mean you know I I think Oprah probably Kryptonian um well, you mean, know she she does exhibit superhuman wealth so well, maybe she's Batman I
2: don't know <laughs> yeah. well it's only part two so I mean we're getting there
1: <laughs> okay
2: um
0: I dug this book um I. I, uh, she starts uh, handing out like Phantom Zone what? projectors and be like, you get a Phantom Zone projector. You get a Phantom Zone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Tim. That's gonna That's happen. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, I after reading this book, I am I am more convinced than I was previously that this is not our Jorel, that this is the Jorel of another universe. Um, I I the way that Jor-El is drawn in the in the backstory, the way Lara is drawn in the backstory, um, it all seems you know off. And so it, it wouldn't. I mean, it, it, yes, DC could just be retooling Superman's origin, but I just I have this sense that this is so wildly different that uh, you know this is not our Jor-El.
2: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Honestly, I I, I feel yeah. like and. Uh, it doesn't need to be. It's still a jor and that's the thing. I Correct. feel like
1: it is a jor if maybe not no, this jor Correct. I just don't think that it's that it's our Superman's jor But that said, I am digging the hell out of the storyline. Um, I, I I I like that we're getting to see some real Krypton kinds of stuff. Um, I am enjoying that uh, you know uh, jor experience with uh, with the savagery of humanity. Um, I, I, you know, he's, he had a very different, you know, homecoming on earth than, uh, his son did. Um, I dig it. I think it's I think it's a great story.
0: Tim, what do you think? Boy, I loved his, I, I love, I love Superman's lines. Like this better not be Mr. Mixoplick again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm Tim like, said the same shit. <laughs> yeah. You and me both, buddy. <laughs> this would be crap. <laughs> so, um, I, I will beat the Mixel shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, it's just th- there. I'd have to find a wood chipper to see what I would do with this comic book if you showed up. Yeah. There. No, I. Uh, I still don't buy it. Like it, uh, I feel like they're suckering us, and I'm like, this this isn't Jar. This can't be Jorah. But hey. boy, does uh, you know? Because it's like we're supposed to believe in theory, right? That that he was pulled from the time stream. And his purpose was to basically take Superman out of the picture, I guess. You know, take him away. Yeah. Is that kind of what we're getting from this? Yeah,
2: I feel like um, I don't know what his purpose is yet. I think he I, I get the impression he was taken out of the time stream. He was, you know, effed up in the head by Mr. Oz. But I don't know what his purpose is just yet. Mm. It seems like he's trying to protect Superman from the from Mr. Oz, from um not Mr. Oz. Dr. He's retar- from Dr. Dr. Manhattan.
0: Manhattan
1: mm-hmm
0: like. Mm. you know I, I definitely the, the like more, the, let's put it that way i i do i was just i'm just i'm wondering what the there, there's so much there's so much moving on the chessboard and i just feel like we need to actually see what's really going on
1: you know you know we haven't seen a lot of dr manhattan and you know we don't have enough information yet to understand his motivations here um And so that's that I'm trying to figure out Dr. Manhattan's motivation other than just, hey, I wonder what happens when you stick this over here. I'm certain there's got to be there's got to be some other sort of motivation there. I'm sure.
0: And hopefully we'll find out sooner rather than later. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I am. It's it's getting to the point. You know what I'm
2: saying? Yeah. Well, I think we're building up to Doomsday Clock, which is in November. So I'm assuming we'll find out all this stuff very
0: soon. I hope so. Yeah.
2: Well, it's awfully good stuff. Yeah, no,
0: these were these both were good books, no no doubt.
2: Well, you know what else was a surprisingly good book? Um, What's that, Paul? I picked up Wonder Woman this week. Um, it's the start with the new creative team, James Robinson, on um, writing, Carlos Pagulian on art. Um, and I picked it up. I will tell you, you know, I read an article or a, a title on a Bleeding Cool article that – it's getting a lot of crap from Bleeding Cool because Bleeding Cool is saying, James Robinson takes over Wonder Woman, immediately adds more men to the title. And, I'm and you know, I was like, what? And so I picked up the, <laughs> the storyline, I picked up the book, and, you know, I, I feel like that's an unfair assessment. Um, you know, so uh, what, what what is happening in the pages of Wonder Woman is that we are taking cues from storylines that were set up during the Dark Side War. Um, so if you if you have read the Dark Side War, you know a couple of storylines that were set up was that Wonder Woman has a brother, and that uh, Darkseid has been reborn as um, a baby, which popped up in in uh, the pages of Metal, and he a also baby. has a daughter, Grail. He's and,
1: got a baby, a baby.
2: <laughs> and so this is Children of the Gods Part One, and what you find out is that Grail, who is Darkseid's daughter, has been killing um, gods. Old gods, you know, daughters or daughters and sons of Zeus, to take their powers and give them to baby Darkseid, who, in the pages of this anyway, which is a kind of a conflict to what's happening in Metal, is more of a an older boy. He's aging fast. He's um, probably at this point, uh, you know, a, a preteen in in this book, and so in this book we see that Grail spoiler uh, murders Hercules and uh takes his power and gives it to to uh you know baby Dark side and you get an appearance by Wonder Woman where you find out that yeah I mean you, you get you get it, it's funny because it's it's an instant appearance by Wonder Woman but the story is focused more on Grail and her pursuit of these powers um I gotta say you know I liked the Dark side war uh and you know the appearance of Grail and and all that stuff in this book I really enjoyed this book i I, I actually uh it's a storyline that I really like the Dark Side War, and because this is taking off of those threads, uh, I will probably stick on
1: the storyline to see where it goes. Well, you know, I, I uh, am way behind on Wonder Woman. I got a whole stack of, of uh, Wonder Woman digital comics that I, I have not read yet uh, from the Greg Rucka run, um, and I enjoyed that run. Um, and I was but was completely unaware that uh, James Robinson was coming over to the book.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is his first issue on the the film, as far as I know. I, I will I will check it out. Yeah, so Paul, worth the read.
1: You know, we're 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 talking about the death of gods, you know, in the pages of Wonder Woman, and we've got a war of thunder gods over in the pages of the Mighty Thor. Um, You know, we we've got a we've got a Thor who's unworthy. We've got a Mighty Thor, and we've got a uh, War Thor, uh, all you know slugging it out. In the pages of Mighty Thor number 23. Enjoy that small numbering while you can because uh, it's getting ready to go back to original numbering. But uh, Paul, would you think of the Mighty Thor?
2: So we have really enjoyed the storyline. And I've been enjoying this run on Thor by Jason Aaron. Yep. Uh, Mighty Thor, I should clarify. And so I will say this. Um, I will say I was disappointed with the way the storyline wrapped up. I completely agree. Uh, for a, a book called The War of Thors, it feels like you shouldn't wrap up a book called The War of Thors in one issue. Uh-huh. Um It feels like it should be more epic than that. And I will say mm-hmm. it is probably not at the fault of Jason Aaron or anyone on the creative team. Uh, it feels like they had to wrap it up in time for the Marvel Legacy reboot that's happening next issue at 700. It feels right. like, okay you got to wrap this up because you're getting to 700. 700 has to be the start of this rebirth, or I keep calling it rebirth, legacy storyline. <laughs> um, so right. th- the story feels very rushed in this issue. It feels like, it, you know, considering they spent, you know, they had this long game building up to this Thor storyline, you know, with that unworthy Thor series. And now this, um, they just met in the last page of the last issue for it to literally wrap up one issue later uh, feels extremely
1: rushed. Yeah, well, and it's super disappointing, right? Because I, I really like that somebody's that, – the thing I liked about the Warthor is that somebody's walking around with the Ultimate Universe's uh, Mjolnir. And it uh, – the uh, spoilers, the end of this book, they decide that uh, we're not going to carry the hammer anymore. We're going to send it back to Asgard. In fact, uh, in order to get it back to, to Asgard uh, – unworthy Thor goes over and yells at it and says, go home. Nobody likes you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go back to Asgard. Nobody wants you here. He scolded the hammer and sent it back because the hammer is filled with the rage of an entire universe, an entire dead universe, which is why the hammer overwhelmed, you know, uh, notably, you know, gentle and kind hearted Volstog and turned him into the war Thor. I, I got to say I liked Warthor. I mean, I, yeah, he he was he was had his rage turned up to 11. It would have been nice to see him tune that down a little bit and come come to grips with the rage and perhaps have a berserker rage within him, you know. Uh I, I but I I liked that character and I liked having that hammer. Uh I hate that now we're going to have a whole another, you know, quest for this artifact again cuz you know some, somebody's going to go after it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't seem to be too uh picky about who can pick it up. You know, it doesn't seem to be like you don't necessarily have to be worthy to pick up, uh, uh, you know, the the ultimate universe hammer. So anyway, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this book beautifully drawn. I just am a little dissatisfied with that ending.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Uh, like Like I said, it just wrapped up a bit too quick. Now, that being said, I will likely pick up Mighty Thor number 700. The mm-hmm. death of of Jane Foster, uh, the start of that storyline. Yeah. You know this, you know. Given this is Marvel Legacy, I feel like we're going to see the return of Odinson as the Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so. What? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel <laughs> like that's uh, there. There, you know, we're going to talk. In fact, let's go ahead and lead into that right now because um, Marvel Legacy number one came out this week, uh, five ninety nine book, and thankfully I talked Aaron into picking it up with me.
1: Well, let me say it was five ninety nine. But it was fifty-eight gorgeous pages. Yeah,
2: you uh, know uh, there there are mixed creative teams on this book. Um, you know because it's it's a large book. But I I'm just going to read a couple of uh the artists that contributed to this book: Esad Ribic, Steve Mcniven, Chris Somney, Russell Dodderman, Alex Malieve, Ed McGinnis, Stuart Ammonin, Jim Chung, Daniel Acuna, Greg Land, Mike Diodardo Jr., David Marquez. I mean, this is an all-star creative team. Uh, written by Jason Aaron. Yeah. Um, it's now, a gorgeous it, book it is a gorgeous it is book absolutely gorgeous and it is it, it, which makes it all the more tragic that the cover sucks so bad you didn't like the cover i did not like the cover i feel like you know oh i
1: thought the cover go ahead i thought the cover was great it's a it's this beautiful rap cover of uh of uh you, you know your your traditional you know captain america and thor and daredevil you know uh iron man i mean it's 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 got it's got all of your, you know, original sorts of characters there though Captain Marvel is uh is uh Carol Danvers Captain Marvel. I'm surprised you didn't like it.
2: Yeah, um, you know, it, for me it's funny because the the first if you read it digitally, the the actual cover before you fold out is just Captain America, Hulk, and Carol Danvers. And I hate the way Captain America and Hulk are drawn. Um but if you look at the extended cover, some of the other characters look better. But for some reason, Joe Quesada is the um, penciler on this cover. Captain America and Hulk just feel like, I mean, just look like they have wrinkles all over their face. <laughs> None of the other characters do. If you look at Doctor Strange, he looks like a young buck. Scarlet Witch, same. Thor a little bit, but Daredevil looks fine. Like, But for some reason, Captain America and Hulk, their faces just look like garbage to me. And That is the actual, you know, slice of cover they choose to start with um so i was i was surprised that that's the piece they chose but um but i i will agree with
1: you that the inside of this art book is gorgeous yeah it's a good it's, i mean and the 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 opening where you've got the uh what do they call them the bc avengers yeah the one million bc uh, avengers yeah beating the hell out of a celestial that was some badass stuff <laughs> yeah, I, I I super super enjoyed that, and I, I you know I always enjoy the Celestials and the fact that the Celestials on the you know shows up in the One Million BC Avengers and then also shows up in the current storyline. Uh, I, I I thought that was wild. Uh, I I got to tell you, I dug this book from from beginning to end. I enjoyed you know there is a a bit of dialogue between. Uh, Sam Wilson and, uh, you know, Lady Thor. And, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm taking out my uh, my uh, Captain America togs out one, for one last time, you know, just give it give it give it one last run. She goes, oh, so this is your last day as Captain America. And he's like, yeah, you know, because, you know, the real deal's back in town. So, uh, you know. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to my original clothes. And so she runs down and, and she she's just like, um, well, then, you know, first there'll be there'll be smiting and then there'll be the drinking of mead and then the kissing of your lips. So <laughs> I, I like that uh, Lady Thor is putting the Mac on uh, on uh, Sam Wilson. Yeah. But, you know, this I've been out of Marvel for so long. I mean, I've been out of Marvel uh, for almost its entire line since the end of Jonathan Hickman's uh, Avengers run. Right. You know, when he did his, his, uh, secret, his, yeah, secret war story. And so for the most part, I've been out, I picked up the, the, you know, odd mighty Thor from time to time. And I, I read the visions, but that's been pretty much it on, on the Marvel books. Um, Legacy is an attempt to, to get back to – and if you read the, the article at the end of the book by Axel Alonso, a uh, publisher over at, at Marvel, he talks about what made him groove to Marvel Comics when he was a kid back in the 70s. He talks about hitting the spin rack and the, and the issues that, that were formative for him at that age. And he talks about wanting to get back there and he talks about the types of storylines they're going to tell in Legacy. And he's like, you know, the heroes that you're going to see in Legacy – are going to be you know the the heroes that you got to know back in the day it's going to be odin's son in the pages of thor wielding uh, mjolnir it's going to be uh You know all these different kinds of stories, and so he kind of gives you a little bullet rundown of ever wonder what would happen if Captain America had to earn back the trust of an entire nation, you know, and that harkens back to that storyline when when Captain America was uh, disillusioned with the United States and he became nomad for a while, right, Uh, and then brought himself back as Captain America. Uh, Asgard and Thor finally face Judgment Day, and that reminds me of that that fantastic Ragnarok story where you had. Thor and Red Norvell, uh, the, the red-haired Thor. I don't yeah. know if you remember that or not. Um, the Hulk revisits Sakaar, which of course was not a 70s story. <laughs> um, the Punisher got his hands on the war machine armor. The Kingpin became mayor of New York City. Loki became the Sorcerer's Supreme. Deadpool killed Cable. Claw conquered Wakanda. Luke Cage went back to prison. The Inhumans met their true creators. The Infinity Stones were reformed and scattered throughout the universe. And the Thing and the Human Torch decide one plus one equals four. I got to tell you, Paul, Marvel, uh, Axel Alonso is making Marvel great again. That's what's happening here. I'm getting myself the red ball cap. Make Marvel great again. (laughs)
2: I, I feel like you know not every not every now. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of tie-in pages uh, to new you know to the to the books, and that's what the point of this book is. And you'll have like you know you'll have a single page of you know they teased Ghost Rider, they teased um, you know
1: Black Panther, they teased the hell out of Ghost Rider. They teased, they teased the shit out of Ghost Rider. They did, and Ghost I was wondering why got like a lot of pages.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was wondering he why so many page. Ghost Rider pages, but there's one page. Well, there's three pages that are um, teasing. Uh, The new Marvel two-in-one book mm-hmm. featuring Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm. And I got to tell you, those were my favorite pages of the book.
1: Oh, when when they had the pages with uh, Johnny and Ben and it looked like they were on the roof of the Baxter building. Yeah. Uh, and they shoot the flare up and you get the, the the fantastic, fantastic flare up in the sky. I mean, it was chills down my spine. And uh, I loves me. Oh, go ahead. I loves me the fuck out of some fantastic four. And we've been without fantastic four for a good long while.
2: Agreed. And, you know, and at the end, spoiler warning on, um, you have Franklin and Valeria make an appearance. Yeah. And yes, that's exciting
1: to me. Yeah, no, I, 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 I know it's always easy to promise. Right, it's always easy to say these are going the, to be awesome stories we're going to tell you, and and you know without actually having told me, you know, being able to say, you know, what if what if we had a story, we had a book that was Marvel two and one, and the two are Ben Grimm and the Human Torch, they get their own book. You take the best parts of the Fantastic Four, and they've got their own fucking book. That sounds awesome, but it's the execution, right? Yeah. But I got to tell you, for the first time since the end of Secret War. I'm excited about something Marvel's doing. I, oh. I, I, I I put this book down going, man, I want that right now. In fact, I went immediately out to Comixology just to make sure that those books weren't already out.
2: Yeah, You I, know,
1: that they hadn't released something this week with Legacy.
2: I will tell you, coming out of this book, I will be picking up Captain America by Mark Waid and Chris Somney. The Mighty Thor, Same which here. we already talked about. Uh, yeah. Marvel 2-in-1. I don't even care who's writing it, but Jim Chung is on art. <laughs> yeah um and I'll, I'll, I'll also be picking up guardians of the galaxy because it in, involves the hunt for the infinity stones um so that's at least three books that i'm gonna four books that i'm gonna be picking up coming out of this book uh you know and i'll see what else is coming out, but i think that's just what's coming out in the next month yeah um
1: i I, I, I have to say i i i'm actually kind of curious about iron man really uh, i don't okay. think i'm yeah I'm, I'm gonna have to look at it i'm, I'm curious about it um because it look it, you know i i like the iron man pages in this book um i i think that uh you know tim and i were having a conversation before the show started there's so much x-men stuff out there i don't know you know i don't know which one of those i should be buying i certainly don't want to pick up both but you know the the x-men blue the x-men gold both look uh, pretty awesome
2: and they both have covers by art adams which damn you <laughs> yeah i know right
1: Yeah, Uh, no. I will say, go ahead. What will keep me off of it? What will keep me off of it is that Mojo is featured in both. Good point. Uh, Yeah, I hate me some Mojo.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So one thing that we haven't mentioned in regards to this book is that it brought back our Wolverine proper. Um, You know, at the end of death, uh, you know, at the end of the death of Wolverine, Wolverine was encased in adamantium. Um, You know, it's been a couple years. In that time, we've had X-23 become Wolverine, we've had Docken and we've had Old Man Logan. And I feel like the reason we haven't brought up The Return of Wolverine is because, at least from my standpoint, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't feel like Wolverine ever went away, because right. we've had no. three Wolverines in his place, and Old Man Wolverine, really not that much different. He's just gray hair instead of black hair.
1: Well, and it's it's not like the Fantastic Four, where the Fantastic Four has just been gone since the end of Secret Wars, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they hadn't done that with, with Wolverine because you've had all of these other Wolverine-like properties. Um, but I will say that image of him holding an Infinity Stone, kind of cool.
2: Yeah, I, I, which is yeah. interesting. And, I'm, you know, there's not a Wolverine – I mean, there is a Wolverine book. But I it doesn't
1: say where that storyline is going to continue. Right. So I do I need know. to kind of see I do need to kind of see Wolverine light a cigar off of the Infinity Stone. You're not going to though. Yeah, cuz there's no smoking in DC, in Marvel Comics, right? Correct. Yeah. Um I, I will say, you know, they, they 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 while they they may frown on uh enjoying a cigar in the pages of Marvel Comics, they're absolutely fine using a Frost Giant as an ice cooler to put your beer in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> No. You know, uh, Wolverine killed uh, a, a frost giant that was making off with the Infinity Stone, and then after having carved his chest open, sticks his beer in and says, hey, keep that cold for me, will you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that That is kind of awesome. Yeah. And so while but not – That's okay. But not that, smoking. That's okay, but not the cigar. Okay. I, I understand your line in the sand, Marvel. <laughs>
2: Um, so while for me not quite as exciting as DC Rebirth and some of the things that that brought back, and not quite as heartfelt as that, um, this is still very effective in, in making me excited about some of the books that Marvel's bringing out. So I will be. Nor, nor will they be as cheap. Yeah, agreed. And so that you know, six. I gotta tell you, Marvel, if you made this a two ninety nine book, you'd be dealing with bang- gangbuster sales. But at five ninety nine, I feel like that was a misstep.
1: Yeah, well, the only reason I bought it, Paul, was because you asked me to, right? Yeah. And I'm glad but you did. I'm, I well, and I'm glad you did too. Uh, I, I thought, you know, six dollars for a fifty-eight page book. Yeah, that's probably appropriate pricing, given that we generally get twenty-two pages for a three ninety-nine book. But uh, uh, it was, it was a damn good read, and it made me excited.
2: Now, at the end of this book, um, one thing that I'm interested in is they mentioned back Fo- they mentioned Foom um friends of old marvel friends of old marvel the name um this was the name of a fan-filled fanzine marvel published during the decades gone 1970s they're bringing it back um in foom's fabulous foray into the future you'll be able to read interviews with the creators of this fine magazine in your hands bombastic briefings and bullpens from years gone by a spectacular spotlight on the quintessentially cosmic infinity trilogy and enough insider info and creative content to make your comic curating noggin spin um if it's available digitally, I'll be picking this up. I'm very interested in, in in reading some of those things.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to me that they said, you know, talk to your you know comic shop yeah. about getting a copy of it. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if they're not going to make it digitally, which seems spectacularly short-sighted.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that they will. Um, I, I did check Comixology, but it's not available. So I don't know if it's just not available or, to your point, if it's just a, a, a print book only.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and I could see that they're making it available in print only as a way to direct people to the brick and mortar, but uh, that's not going to get me going into a brick and mortar. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not not just <laughs> no. that. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I I, I love me some comic shops. That's just not how I uh, you know experience my comics anymore. I go and buy toys and whatnot there, but I don't I don't buy my comics there anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> so. I'm above that. <laughs> It's, no it's, it's not me. that at all it's 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 convenience and i just I, I don't have the space for print books anymore no i hear you yeah so you know i've got all those dead clowns stacked up in my closet now i don't have the room for the lawn
0: boxes so. <laughs> that's where wayne went <laughs> <laughs>
1: he is a clown right and they can't convict you because as a ginger he has no soul so, no. <laughs> Well, All ne- right, so, Paul, oh, what's coming out next week?
2: Well, you know, we, we, we mentioned that next week we'll see the return of, um, you know, uh, well, I shouldn't say the return, another Dark Knight's tie-in with Batman the Dawnbreaker, which is the Batman slash Green Lantern, um, you know, uh, kind of conglomeration, and also Batman White Knight, uh, you know, the, the Sean Murphy book that we mentioned earlier so that and plenty more we'll be talking about next week on Funny Books awesome
1: well it was a great week for comics and I'm glad the two of you here you, the two of you were here to share it with me and just the two of us uh, yeah yeah cause, cause, well yeah I mean you know, Wayne won't be joining us anymore because he's you know murdered in my closet he's, just, he's in
0: the clown closet yeah that's right <laughs> have a good week guys bye Bye,
1: everybody